The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face. Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. You're listening to Corruption Listen to me, Corruption Busters on Confidential Brief. Um, it's live on 11.9 FM in Johannesburg and streaming worldwide on chaifm.com. In a few minutes, I'm going to be chatting about the importance of community involvement in securing um, different communities from a security and policing perspective. And joining me in studio will be security specialist and person of the year for his community, Clive Maher. But first, I'd like to talk about the week that was. Um, as you're all aware, it was the 108th uh, birthday celebration of the ruling party, the African National Congress, this weekend in Kimberley in the Northern Cape. And it was very sad um, when one saw the um, communities um, in which the, the celebrations were held. Uh, the complaints that came from community leaders is that they have voted for the ruling party for the past 26 years and that they haven't seen development within those communities. Now, as much as the ruling party has delivered on many of its promises, especially in terms of its RDP program, etc., it has fallen short. And we've seen this in respect of SOEs not delivering. We've seen this in respect of the collapse of infrastructure, be it with our power supply, be it with our water supply, etc. And one has to think back 108 years ago, um, what the founding fathers foresaw and how those founding fathers of the African National Congress would feel today. If you had to shoot forward a few years from from those days back to 1955 when the Freedom Charter was established, one would also wonder what that leadership would feel. One has seen that many of those leaders have passed in recent years and their opinion of the party, although they remained loyal members to the end, they became very critical of the way they saw the party being led. That being said, there's hope, and we've seen changes. This week sees the um, reconvening of the Zonda Commission into state capture, and this time we'll see whether the ex-president of the Republic, Jacob Zuma, will appear for the second time. Um, the last time he did not appear uh, based on health reasons. We're now hearing rumors that he's claiming due to health, uh, a health condition he's suffering from, that perhaps his memory wasn't what it was. Um, but President Zuma aside, the Guptas aside, there are hundreds if not thousands of people that need to account for the role that they played in corrupting the state. We always say there's a symbiotic relationship between the public and private sector, that being the plunder of the public purse. So one must always remember that government officials can't give out tenders and make money from those tenders if they're not acting in partnership, in collusion with somebody from the private sector. We've spoken previously how if a corrupt act has taken place in terms of PRECA, there has to be a corruptor and a corruptee. Both are equally guilty of an offence. It's very positive when one sees Minister Patricia DeLille, who was appointed as a, a minister in President Ramaphosa's cabinet after the last national election, come out this weekend and say that she's opening charges against several officials for three state funerals that took place that were invoiced out at 76 million rand. To give you an example of how she realized that these amounts have been overflated, etc., and even though it didn't happen on her watch, just for serviettes, there were amounts of 470,000 rand charged for serviettes. So one can see just how blatant the fraud and corruption was. 
Minister DeLille has gone further. She's identified 3,700 employees in her department that have business with the state. In other words, they are state employees that in some way or another, through families, friends or connections, have actually been doing business with the state. And to make matters worse, she has identified 300 people that work within her department that actually have companies registered that are doing business with the state. So 2020 is the year of replication. It's the year we turn the corner and it's the year we start seeing high profile prosecutions and our country recovering from the disastrous effects of corruption. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of Chai FM. You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on Chai FM. So my guest today, I've been trying to get into studio for God knows how long. Um, Clive Maher was voted by his community in the Northcliffe Melville Times as the person for security 2019. In other words, he was the person that they voted the, the, keeping their community the safest. He runs an operation um, in that area, and he expresses what we always talk about, and that is a dedication to community policing through effective security. Clive, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chad. Thank you. And congratulations, 2019 Security Person of the Year, Northcliffe Melville Times. You must have felt honored. Very much so. Um, 2019 was a, was a very busy year for us um, in Gauteng as a whole, um, operating merely in the North Cliff uh, and surround areas. But uh, being nominated for Security Person of the Year was uh, was overwhelming, and yes, it, it was uh, well well received. Your community must love you. I remember going to a restaurant about two years ago, also in Northcliffe, <laughs> and I saw that the restaurant had named a sandwich after you. And I thought, <laughs> oh, it's not often you see a security services provider having sandwiches named after them and the community talking so fondly of somebody. Did you grow up in that community? So I did. I grew up in, in the Northcliffe area. Um, I've been there my whole life, um, and I think by virtue of my, my personal interaction with the, with the community and my clients as a whole, um, it's added much benefit to, to the success that I've had in the area, and by virtue of that, I've just got to know a lot of people and uh, taken a personal interest in them. Now, your company provides both proactive and reactive security services, but it's very community-orientated. How did you become so community-orientated? We look at other companies that move into an area. They're generally part of a greater brand. They tend to engage with ratepayers, uh, associations, um, area committees, etc. but then it seems to end somewhere along the line. How do you continue to engage with the community and keep the community at heart? So it's um, it's been a couple of uh, factors that have been put together that uh, got me into the position that I'm I'm, I'm in today. Uh, one of the the major reasons was when I got into security in uh, 2016 uh, after leaving the, the police. Um, I looked at the dynamics of the security industry, and I looked at all the major role players, and I looked at the smaller guys as well, and I and I looked at how they operate, how do they do things, where do they interact, and you know how how deep into the into the business does the the boss man go, um, and and I saw a niche a niche area for me where. Being personally involved in the business and personally going to see the clients, personally recommend, uh, recommending security upgrades, personally giving uh, advice, uh, there was a, a great need for that. And the, the community as a whole were very, very receptive to, to, my, um, uh, to my information. And uh, over the years, it's grown that I've got to know my clients personally. 
Uh, we've also built the business around a community, community orientation. So I haven't just gone into the industry and said, right, I'm operating in, in any area that I can possibly get my hands on. Uh, we started on, on niche, uh, niche areas, uh, Northcliffe, Roosevelt Park, uh, Montgomery Park, uh, Fairlands, Beraria. And as those areas grew, so we provided the necessary resources for each area to, to ensure that we had a, a, a dedicated presence in the area, uh, B, that we had a, a very strong, uh, strong clientele in the area, and C, that we, we provided regular updates, attended CPF meetings, got to know the community, had community days. Um, and the business just built itself thereon. Uh, I was very, very fortunate, and I've continued to do that. I haven't taken a backseat role. I haven't appointed managers. Um, I haven't appointed a sales team. I haven't appointed marketing teams. I, I, I do the job myself, and that's why when people say, gee, you've, you've done really well and well done, I always say, yeah, but remember, it's, it's a seven-day-week job. It's 24 hours a day. I can get called out at 2 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. I can uh, be at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a function, and I will have to leave the function and go and attend to what's happened. Um, it not only gives a good uh, perception to my staff because my staff appreciate it as well. I mean, Christmas Day we worked together the whole day. So, and and even they came to me and said it was so nice to have the boss working with us on on Christmas Day on a public holiday where you know normally you'd want to be spending it with your families. So, um, a personal interest uh, has definitely added a lot of value to to the, the the business that I've got today. But club that has to be backed up with service. Now, when you look at a company such as yourself. You've been in, in, in operations since 2016. This is your fourth year of operation. And when one looks at the bigger companies in South Africa, it's difficult to break into that market. And everybody tries to find their own unique selling point. What you're saying to me is your unique selling point to create a niche um, in your specific um, target market was community-orientated. But there has to be that backup of service. Do you find that you are servicing in terms of reaction time, perhaps better than others, um, do you find that that means having to have more vehicles and having to have a lesser profit margin? What do you think makes your service delivery exceptional in your areas? So, Chad, I can't say um, you know we're better than every other company out there. Uh, we are better than 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 most of them um, in that when it comes to service delivery uh, as as one point on its own. Um, we have structured ourselves or I've structured our, ourselves and we've structured our business where if there's an alarm activation or there's a panic that's been pressed at a client's house, that we always have a vehicle within four to four and a half minutes away. Uh, we track our, our response times. We normally average around about a 2.7, 2.8 minute response time. Of course, there are times where we exceed the four, four and a half minute time. In the event of a, you know, if we have a, a if the control room goes into a storm mode and we end up with one crack of lightning that, that triggers uh, 2,000 signals, yeah, you know, we then need to prioritize it. But I think uh, the model which I've chosen um, in having a dedicated presence in the areas that we operate has definitely uh, rewarded us in terms of uh, our popularity and, and our response times. And, of course, again, I'll get back to it. There was, there's a fine line in the security industry between um, overheads uh, and actual profitability. You've, you've got to find – remember, fuel, insurance, um, the, the the staff salaries, all of those things versus the number of clients you've got. It's a very fine line between you making good money and, and losing money. And if you're losing money in an area, then you need to change your, your model. But we haven't come across that as yet. Uh, in actual fact, we're growing on a, on a rapid basis, on a monthly basis in the areas that we do operate in. Um, and it's been very, very successful for us. 
So today's interview was to find an individual, which I found you last year, wanting to chat to this individual to find out more about community involvement. So you mentioned earlier in the conversation that you attend CPF meetings, etc. Now look at the area you're in. Um, and where you have the most feet on the ground, there's five different police stations that you fall under. Do you go to each and every CPF meeting? Do you have a representative at each and every sector meeting? Yes, uh, I, I attend the meetings uh, personally myself. Uh, if they do uh, fall onto the same day where there's two of them on the same day, then obviously I will have a representative attend one and I will attend the other. But normally speaking, I, I attend the meetings uh, personally myself. Uh, and more often than not, it's uh, after hours, so half past six until around about half past eight, and you get home at nine o'clock at night. So it is a, a, a pushing and shoving of my schedule around, but you've got to make the time to get to these meetings because what I've found is, you know, there's, the CPF meetings are, are, are very informative, number one. Number two, it creates uh, the bond between you and your local police station as well. You get to know who the station commander is, who the detectives are, who the men on the ground are, and those are the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis. Um, having said that, at the CPF meetings, you get a lot of information from the community. And nine times out of ten, the community actually turn around and, and, and at, at the end of the meeting and they also want to talk to you. They want to ask you questions. They want to hear about the crime that you've experienced in the area over the month. Um, and they want some um, information and they want some, some, some of your knowledge and skill to, to better assist them. So it's very important that you do attend CPF meetings and that you are involved in the community uh, as deep as possible. We're chatting about community involvement in securing and policing their areas with Clive Maho. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about what initiatives community can take to be able to ensure that security is taken to the absolute top level. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're chatting about community initiatives to ensure protection and security within their specific communities. Now, our community that we broadcast primarily to has had initiatives for years, whether it's CAP, whether it's a CSO, whether it's Vision Tactical. There's a lot of community initiatives that have taken place within this community, but it doesn't seem personality-driven. It's driven by organizations that are dedicated to helping the communities. When one looks at the area where Clive operates, it seems to become very personal personality driven which seems the opposite of what we've seen throughout South Africa. Clive when I look at security companies throughout South Africa I see that there's been a couple of big companies on the procurement trail. They look for companies that are strong in certain areas. They go out, they buy those, and they just expand their footprint. And you're losing that personality-driven initiative. You're losing that owner-driven business. Why do you think this hasn't happened in your community? Chad, I think uh, the answer to that is, is, in my opinion, quite simple. Um, what, what I've adopted in terms of my business is, you know, if you phone into a large corporate or, or the bigger the bigger guys, and I'm, I'm small fry in the, in the bigger scheme of things, but, I mean, if you're phoning in as a client and you want to speak to the owner of the business on a Saturday or a Sunday or even during the week, what are the chances of that happening? 
next to nothing. Um, in my side, people have got to know me. I've got to know them. I've got a personal relationship with them. Nine times out of ten, they've got my cell phone number. They know that if they phone me, I answer the phone. I don't ignore calls. I take the call. I deal with the matter, and, and I attend to it personally, or I will uh, uh, delegate it to one of my senior guys to, to go and carry out on my behalf. But it comes down to that personal interaction with the client and having a, having the correct personality for the job. Uh, security is is a, it's not an easy job. It's um, it's a it's a taxing job on your mental health. Um, you get very little sleep. You, you're on the road 24 hours a day, essentially. And when you do get time to rest, you, you never really do rest because you're always waiting for that phone call to say, well, this has gone wrong or that's gone wrong or this one needs to speak to you. So you're always on your toes. And I think uh, the, the, I'll get back to it again. Having that personal uh, interact and, ac- interaction with your clients makes, makes all the difference. How do you face the future knowing that You've had ex- you've had growth from 2016 until now. You can actually measure that growth on a quarterly basis, and you know that eventually you're not going to be able to be that hands-on person anymore. How does one keep that personal touch in place, mm. Chad? It's something that uh, you know you always look for. Um I can't think of the word right now, but uh, succession in a business. Not that I would give it over the reins over to someone to take over my business and to run it, but I, I would. I am looking for somebody that has the same um, mental drive that I've got, who has the same passion that I've got. Uh, you know, if you if you're in, doesn't matter what job you're in. If you don't enjoy your job, I would suggest get out of it as soon as possible. Uh, I was in uh, when I was a reservist in the police. I loved it. Uh, when I was in corporate, I loved it, and it grew, and I grew tired of it, and I spent too much time. In in the corporate environment until I got out of it. And when I started in the security in 2016, uh, um, again, I, I, I always said to my wife, gee, I love my job. I wake up in the morning and I look forward to going to work. So if you don't have that passion and you don't have that drive in you for the job that you're doing, you're in the wrong business. So I've got the drive for security. I've got the skill for security. I've got the contacts in security. And uh, I've also got the clients. So the clients trust me with, with, their, with their premises. I mean, we've got a, a large portion of our clients when they go away, they leave, a, they leave me a set of keys for their house to, you know, in case something goes wrong. Um, and that's, uh, that's what's important. Getting back to, you know, when it gets bigger than what it is now, how am I going to handle it then? I haven't quite got to that answer yet, but it is something that does worry me because uh, with, the, with the current growth that we're experiencing, um, it's something that I would have to look at because it's not possible to have one man uh, keep his hand on the, on, on the trigger all the time there. An industry that employs 500,000 people has close on 11,000 active companies. What made you choose to join this industry in 2016? It was actually um, it was actually by fluke. Um, I was I was actually in quite inv- and I still am involved in the area that I live in, and we were looking as a community to provide or to to put in place a, a dedicated service provider for the area in which we lived in, and we were going to market and campaign to all the residents, and we were going to get one one company to come together, and we were all going to go with that one company and have a dedicated presence. And whilst I was investigating that portion of um, a, a security company for our area, um, I actually came across uh, an opportunity where we, where, where I could put uh, get involved in a security company and put and put myself in, in charge. And tell me, public public 
uh, public-private partnerships that are now being established between companies such as yourself and the police. And we see there's a campaign that's that's driven by Business Against Crime called E2, and we know that similar campaigns and pilot projects are taking place throughout the South Africa throughout South Africa with one major project being in Gauteng. Do you think there's space for partnerships between the police and the security, or do you think that there could be a problem in terms of um, territorial issues or maybe even egos? I definitely think there's uh, opportunity for, for partnerships between security companies and police. And, and I'll go one step further, Chad. I'll, I'll be saying to you that I, I believe that there's huge opportunity for uh, competitive security providers to work hand in hand, which we do work with uh, quite a few companies hand in hand, and we work very well together. It's, uh, it's a sad case when the egos get involved of the powers that be that uh, it actually causes disruption between the, the, the competitive companies. But as a whole, the men on the ground, are, are, are the guys that actually work well together with, with each other. We don't have a, a problem with each other. Being, being a partnership with the police, definitely. That, that's first, first prize. Um, the better you know your police station, the better you know the members that are working, the more successful you'll be. When you've got a problem, uh, you know, and you've got that relationship with them, you can pick up the phone, phone them, and you will get a, a pro- you'll be prioritized. You'll get help. You'll get the help that you need. And we've definitely found that in the, in the police stations that govern our area. Quick question, how do we educate the public that it's not about price when choosing a security company? There's a lot of bureaucracy, there's a lot of, a lot of red tape that ensures that the right companies are out there, but traveling under the radar are unregulated companies that are trying to cut everybody. How do you educate the public not to use them? That's a very difficult one to, to put out there because with the current financial climate of, uh, in Johannesburg or South Africa as a whole, Everybody's price sensitive. Um, yes, you will always get the fly-by-nights that come in and they, they're very short-lived and, and they work themselves out. Um, but I think your, the question that I'd, I'd like to put back to you would be more of you, you've got to find a, a company where you're getting a reasonable deal, where you're getting a deal that's good for the company and you're getting a deal that's good for the client. Um, and to get down to that, you know, when the question poses itself from a client's perspective, you need to go to the client and you need to explain to the client, you know, to run a security business and just mention three things, insurance, fuel, and staff salaries. Those three things alone um, are, are like 80% of your costs. Um, and if you're going with a company that's charging you 100 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month, A, it's not possible for them to provide the service that is required, especially if you're providing a dedicated vehicle in the area. But again, in going with a company that's charging you two, three, four thousand rand a month, I would say I would have to have a look at that model because it sounds a little bit excessive to, to me having known that I've got the model that is working and we're coming in at a, at a relatively average price. So uh, it's a tough one to say. There are a lot of unregulated companies out in the market uh, and there are a lot of them that are, that are regulated. But um, it's the names that count. And if, you're, and if your staff are happy, your customers will be happy and uh, you've got a good business. We've reached the halfway mark of the show. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, more community initiatives and, more importantly, these community days. I was fortunate to attend a community day um, last year that was hosted by, by Clive and a couple of organizations in his community, and it was great to see the involvement from both a local government perspective as well as a police perspective. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Clive, forgive me, my mojo went out the window. <laughs> so I really, really, really need a break. And much like you worked straight through uh, December. Uh, you can't in today's day and age 
operate a community-driven security initiative without technology. Correct. So what kind of technology are you relying on? So, you know, we, we've, we've, we've worked on uh, using the little things that count. And, and having said that, one of the, the most uh, important factors that we found in our, in our industry is, being able, is having the information at your fingertips. So currently we, we monitor in our control room um, just short of 160 or just over 168 WhatsApp groups. Um, that's besides the telegram groups. We've got them on two big uh, monitors in the control room and we've got somebody monitoring that 24 hours a day. So at any given point in time or, or during the day, we know what's happening in the country, whether it's in Durban, in Cape Town, in Joburg or e- even outside of our areas. What's nice about that is having a grip on what's going on, but also knowing that if there's crime that's happening necessarily and not necessarily within our clients, if it's a, happens to another client that's in the areas that we operate, we're able to respond and offer assistance where, where needed. So yes, uh, we prioritize our clients and, and uh, our clients do come first, but where needed and where possible, we will assist non-clients and we will help them and offer, uh, offer services where, where, where they need. And that has also been a, a huge factor in, in gaining a lot of traction in people moving over to us and, and signing up with us because they see that we're not all about the bottom line. We're also about ensuring the community safety. And that's very, very important. So Clive, something that stood out, I'm an animal lover. And I saw two things that, 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 that really, really struck me as being community orientated. And then the one was the feeding scheme for animals when the, the, the owners aren't there. And the other is that you were one of the first companies, if not the first company, that has a, a, a kit on board each of your vehicles that will help an animal that's been poisoned. Correct. Tell us more about that. Okay, so on the, the pet feeding has been something that we've done since 2016, actually uh, prior to that as well. Um, it's become a very, very popular service, uh, value-add service that we offer our clients. Uh, come December, we're actually more booked with uh, with pet feedings than we are with responding to alarms. It's uh, it's quite astonishing to see how many people entrust us with uh, keys to their property, going inside, feeding the dogs or the cats, um, and giving them fresh water. And and what we do is we don't only just feed the dog and walk out. We go into the property, we, we clean the dog's bowl or the cat's bowl, we put new water, we put fresh food, we interact with the dog for a period of 15 to 20 minutes so the dog's not left lonely, um, and then we leave the property. Uh, having said that, you will be quite surprised that at the animals that we've had to feed, we've had to feed snakes, we've had to feed spiders, we've had to feed dogs, uh, cats, uh, you name it, we've fed them. Tell me about the baboon you're chasing. <laughs> so that, that baboon was, um, was, a, was a, good, uh, a, a good thing that went wrong. Um, you know, a baboon coming into the residential areas of, of the Northcliffe is, although I'm being told that it's not the first time it's happened, it's not something that we hear about every day. So the community was uh, up in fear and they were worried about their dogs and their cats and their children because obviously a baboon that's cornered can be quite dangerous. So we embarked to try and track the baboon down and we worked hand in hand with, with Claw, uh, with Cora Bailey from Claw uh, and her team where we tried to place a trap to catch this thing. But of course, in, in, in trying to decide where you're going to put the trap, we had to follow the baboon. And uh, while we were following it, it would run from one to the other, and people would be, it would be a huge draw card for uh, people walking on the street and a huge attraction. Um, and then it somehow went out that uh, we actually shot at the baboon, which was totally, totally wrong. And it went out on a radio station like that. Um, and we never, ever did that. Uh, it, it was just by virtue of uh, broken telephone that that's how it came out. 
So we had to go and uh, calm everybody down and say, listen, we didn't shoot at the baboon. We definitely wouldn't be doing that. We, we're animal lovers. Um, what we're trying to do is we're trying to track the baboon so that we can get a, a decent path where we can place the trap and actually and actually catch it and relocate it. So the baboon was caught eventually. Um, it was a, a very uh, eventful uh, five to seven days, but um, it was it was it was good exposure. No bullet wounds on the baboon. No, no bullet wounds on the baboon. He's safe and he's been uh, put back into the wild. Well, that's great. <laughs> We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want you to explain to us more about how you believe communities should take ownership of their security. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Clive, before we went to break, I said to you, I need to understand from your perspective as somebody who has come into the industry at a very interesting time in its history where we're now going back to the basics of neighbors needing to know one another. What do you think we need to get communities more involved in taking care of themselves, their communities, and ensuring they have the right service providers in place? Okay. So – one of the things we, we send out on a monthly basis on our newsletter is uh, we, we send out a seven-point security uh, suggestion plan. And you, you'll be quite surprised. I mean, I drive around often uh, at night or early evening, in the mornings, in the afternoons. And if you drive through the suburbs of Northcliff, as an example, uh, and you just start trailing a car – You'll be surprised at how blasé people are about their surroundings, even in today's world with the crime being on in, on the news, on social media, all over. Uh, every day I can t- show you a person who just pulls in their driveway when I'm behind them in an unmarked car. They don't know who I am. They pull into the driveway, open the gate, and, and drive inside with not the, the foggiest clue of who's behind them or who's around them. And that's the reason why a lot of people are still getting hit in their driveways. They're not, they're not aware of who's following them. They're not aware who's around them. So we always say, you know, when you come within a kilometer of your house, go into a red mode. Go into the mode where you're aware of your surroundings. You know who's behind you. You know who's in front of you. Um, when you get to your driveway, where possible, reverse park. Don't just go nose forward and open the gate to not having checked who's behind you. Uh, second point, make sure your gate has got an anti-lift bracket on it. Uh, there's... 70% of gates out there still today, security gates out there, you're able to lift off the gate motor, and that's how easy it is to open the gate for these guys to get in. They need – we've got them on video footage um, in, in Roosevelt Park area where they, they lifted the gate off the rail, they kicked the front door in, stole the TV, and were back in the car within 27 seconds. That's how quick we've got them on video footage. So that's how quick it happens. So, you know, the the various upgrades, people believe, well, I've signed up with a security company. That's all I have to do. No, you need to test your alarm. You need to make sure that your electric fence is working. You need to make sure that you've got an anti-lift bracket on your gate. Um, When we talk about gates, pedestrian gates within the main gate are my worst because those are the easiest to pop with a crowbar and the people are in. you need, as I said, you need to make sure your alarm is working and that your transmitter is actually sending the signals through to your control room. Uh, you need to have your panic button with you. Uh, your alarm needs to be in working order. So there's a couple of pointers, w- you know, which we put out every month, and I've just uh, mentioned them, that people need to take responsibility for. And, and don't just think, well, I've signed up with a security company, now I'm covered, everything's cool, because uh, it doesn't always work like that. Your your area borders on some areas that have been. Um, regarded as areas where degradation is set in, perhaps they've drawn the wrong crowd, etc. We saw of late a, a shooting in Melville that sadly claimed the lives of two people. Are you seeing a growth in violent crime um, in your areas and and in, in Gauteng as a whole, based on your on your monitoring systems, or do you think it's it's, it's reaching a point of containment? 
Chad, I'd like to say it's reaching a point of containment. It just depends on in which month you ask me that question. Um, you know, come December prior to the, the, the 12th of December from October, sort of, sort of from November the 12th to December the 12th, it's all out war. Uh, the guys are looking for Christmas money. They're doing cash in transit. They're doing armed robberies at jewelry stores, shopping malls. Uh, you're getting jammed at the shopping center. So it depends on the, on the month you ask me that question in. Um, I, I'd like to say that I don't believe it's, it's growing. I don't believe it's getting worse. I think we're just experiencing the same crime and the same crime trends month on month, depending on, on which holidays are coming up or what exactly is happening in the country at that point in time. And community involvement from what perspective? Do you think communities should be involved in the in the CPF? Should they be involved in their sectors? Should they create their own ratepayers associations? Does it become too much? You have you have organisations driven by the need in terms of of law for a, a policing forum. You have certain areas that want to have a ratepayers association. Then you have ward councillors setting up subcommittees. Is this too much? Should it be centralised, or do you think there's a need for all these subcomponents of of area representation? I think at the moment it's too much. I think there's too many things going on, um, and I don't think we've got the buy-in of the general community. I think you're sitting on a on a 90-10 perspective all the time. You've got 10% of the people who actually come to the meetings and actually want to make a difference, and you sit with 90% who rely on the 10% to do the job. Um, I do believe, though, that in any community, and, and, and I speak to – I do a lot of talks from time to time in various uh, areas – and everyone tells me, yeah, but we've got a WhatsApp group in our street and, you know, we run that WhatsApp group and we sort it out. And I say, that's cool. But at 2 o'clock in the morning when you need help, who's monitoring that group to come and help you? So I do think WhatsApp groups are good. I do think the Telegram groups are good. But make sure that your WhatsApp groups and your, and your Telegram groups have got your, uh, your area um, security company monitoring that group in their control room 24 hours a day. And limit the conversations that are on there. Keep it down to emergencies only. Don't have it for you know, recipes of the week or my dog ran away or the council didn't fetch the dustbins today. Keep it for emergencies because 2 o'clock in the morning when everyone's sleeping and there's someone in your yard and you need help, you need somebody to respond. And uh, that's when your security company plays a big role in terms of being com- in communication all the time with, with the community. Something that stood out for me last year and it's one of the reasons we're chatting today is we came through to an awareness day of which you and your company were a part of. Present were the South African Police Services, other security companies, Johannesburg Metro Police Department, Johannesburg uh, Disaster Management, Johannesburg EMS, um, as well as the sector and community policing forums. Do you think that that is the start of a long-term relationship where egos have been set aside and people realize that they're doing the right thing for the right reasons? Absolutely. Um, I, I think it's it's important to let the community know that these are the services that are available in the event of an emergency. And having JMPD there and the, the Joburg City Council and the local police and your security companies, it not only shows uh, uh, the, the available resources that, that people can have access to, but it also shows the community that we all support each other. And if we all support each other and we're all working hand in hand without the egos, as you put it, because there's a lot of egos out there, um, we can actually curb crime uh, even more than what is what we are at the moment. Uh, in various areas, we're very, very successful with crime. And one needs to ask themselves, why is it that 
in this area there's there's lower crime than in another area now of course there's there's certain um aspects that will dictate crime in various areas but a large portion of that goes down to how much presence of security you've got there and the successes that you've had in those areas where the criminals they know don't, don't go into the area because the chances of getting caught are very good and then you'll get the criminals who they don't care they they're going to take a chance anyway um, and that's why we, we always um, focus on when we do have good successes. We like to we like to post the successes up on social media. We like to put it in our newsletter and send it out. Um, although we do blur the faces and we you know we don't put suspects' faces on 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 on, on media and that uh, for obvious reasons. But it's good to show the community that we are working. We are getting successes because the perception of a lot of people out there is that uh, the police and the security we just uh, collect their money every month. It doesn't work like that. Having been voted by such a large community, um, the security personality of the year for 2019, um, and having all the publicity in the local newspapers, etc., it's a bit of a double-edged sword. Firstly, it's great, it's an honor um, to be recognized for the work you're doing. But this year, you're going to have to do something different. You're going to have to do more. Yeah. What do you have planned for 2020? So having uh, having had the, all of that happen, it's um, the more publicity you get and the and the more popular that you get in in any industry is the, the final line you've got to walk. You've got to be very careful, you know, where you put your foot and how you put it and what you say and who you say it to. So, uh, you know, that has been something that uh, I'm working on in 2020. Is to we're working on a new strategy for 2020 with the security industry. Um, we're wanting to add more vehicles into our areas. We're wanting to add uh, a, a tighter security in terms of uh, guarding in the areas as well. Uh, we've got a plan which we haven't rolled out yet, so I, I don't want to speak about that now. Um, but we've got something up my I've got something up my sleeve for 2020. Clive, if anybody wants to get in touch with you to find out more about your community initiatives. Um, Chad, they can contact me on my cell phone. Uh, as I said from the beginning, um, I'm available on my cell phone all the time, zero seven three one nine double five eight one eight. That's my contact number. I'm available any time for a chat. Website? Website is www.scpsecurity.co.za or you can get us on Facebook uh, under Suburban Control Center. Clive Maher, 2019 Security Personality of the Year for his area. Thank you so much for coming in today. And before we go, I just want to chat to the listeners about what we've got planned for 2020. Um, 2019 was a very interesting year for um, Confidential Brief on High FM. I call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, the good being that we had people like Willy Hoffmeyer um, coming to studio for an exclusive interview um, straight after his retirement as head of the asset forfeiture unit. He was previously head of the special investigative unit, and he had the honor of chairing the committee when he was still a parliamentarian that wrote the chapter on the um, judiciary in the Constitution. We also had Advocate Jackie Fick in the in studio, who was a member of the Scorpions and Deputy Head of the National Prosecuting Authority at a stage and is now in the, pub, in, 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 the, in the private sector. When I say the, the bad, we had people come into studio to discuss with us some very serious allegations regarding politicians. And that discussion we had with Jan Fenter, who I call the butler, he was Matthew, Matthew's pause's assistant and then crossed, a, crossed a, over to, to David Mabuza. Um, he made some very serious allegations on our show, and it was his first exclusive interview. And that was covered extensively in the media. In fact, it was the lead story in yesterday's Sunday Independent. And, of course, last year in February, we had Angelo Agrizi um, exclusively in studio for the first time giving an interview discussing his alleged role in corruption involving Basasa state capture and certain officials. And I've been asked of late, why would we give airtime 
to people like um, Angelo Agrizi or other people that have come with these these very serious um, allegations of fraud, corruption, or have even admitted their role. Um, Jan Fenter said he was involved in corruption. Angelo Agrizi said he was involved in corruption. And the answer is very simple. If I'm going to bring you an honest and transparent show, then you need to hear what somebody has to say that was involved in state capture. You have to understand how those people tick. And I ask those questions. I ask questions that you want me to ask. I asked Angelo Agrizi, how does he sleep at night after confessing on air to, to various instances of state capture? And bizarrely enough, he answered, very well, thank you. Um, that was captured in the media the following day. When I said to him, you've admitted to corrupting a process that has made you millions of rands, would you pay the money he back? He said he'd consider it if asked. And these are the things that open up our eyes and our ears to the reality of what is happening in South Africa. So I need you to understand that I am going to remain unapologetic when it comes to who I interview on the show because I need you as the listener to understand the reality of what's going on in South Africa. And you can't hear it from a subjective perspective. You have to hear it from all sides. And if it means I'm going to bring a criminal into studio so we can understand how it ticks, it means that we'll be able to prevent this going going forward in the future because we'll be able to identify those red flags. So anything you need to know about the show, if you want to listen to any of the previous shows, go to the chaifm.com website, go to podcasts, land on Confidential Brief, and everything is there, and have a listen. And remember, the purpose of the show is to expose fraud and corruption, but most importantly, to bring forward solutions to you, the public, in respect of your security, the security of your family, and most importantly, the security of our country. We will bring you the best guests this year, as we demonstrated today by interviewing an expert on community security, Clive Maher. My name is Chad Thomas. I'm back next week. I'm chatting to Nick Ulafi. He will be chatting to us about training that is now being offered for one of the fastest growing industries, and that is the private investigation industry in respect of forensic investigators. We'll be back next week, same place, same time.